Welcome to Rama for Today Radio. History continually repeats itself in different forms and in different ways. If you'll study the Word of God, you'll find out that the devil hadn't come in up with anything new. It's still the same, just wrapped in a different package. Just wrapped up differently. It seemed that by the third century, Tertullian had given birth to what they call the Trinitarian doctrine, but Paul actually talked about it in Corinthians. Pentecost seemed to take a back seat. But let me tell you something. The flames of Pentecost have burned in every century. You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. Today we continue the series, Meant to Stir the World, by Ken Hagen. Stay tuned as we listen to this powerful teaching. Also, later in today's program, I'll give you the details on this month's special offer. Right now, here's Ken Hagen's message. Now let me throw something at you here just a minute. Get into a little of end time stuff. In Revelation, John says that the whole world took the mark of the beast. We might just think about something. Was he talking about the whole world? Or was he talking about the world that he knew of that day? Which would have been this area that we're talking about now. The whole world can't take the mark of the beast. Let me tell you why. Go to the next chapter. And they are people that are alive, living on the earth. And the word and and the other chapter it said you either took the mark of the beast or you were beheaded. Hello. You know, now I'm not gonna get into an argument with you, but I believe that they're talking in, in end time stuff, they're talking about that known world at that time. And that's where it's all gonna take place, people. That's where it's all at. It's heading that direction right now. All of the players are in place. Go, go back on your maps and look at the modern day name and go back and look at the name before, when, during this time. And you'll see that it's Babylon and Persia and all the other players that John talks about and Daniel talks about. See, you're gonna, if you're gonna get into eschatology, you're gonna have to get into Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel. You can't just go to one of them. You gotta go put them all together, all right? Now, I'm not up here to teach that, but I just throw that in, okay? I just throw that in. It didn't cost you nothing, okay? <laughs> Do you know that about in this period of time, right in here, 60 AD, right in there, that all of the original apostles had been martyred except John. And he lived to about 90 AD. Paul was beheaded in 67 AD. So actually, by the end of the first century, there were no original apostles still alive. Even their successors, Timothy, Titus, died before John. And they actually left very little written records here. We have to piece this together by piecemealing it together by different archaeological facts and, and books and so forth and so on. And as the second century rolled around, 
the apostolic doctrine began to be watered down. Go back and study church history. It began to be watered down. Diverse doctrines began to arise and cause divisions. Prominent leaders began to mix their own biblical interpretations with their Greek philosophies, which give a rise to false doctrine. Does that sound like today? People having their own biblical interpretations and mixing the philosophy of the society of today with the Word of God and coming up with something that's way out of kilter. It's happening. History continually repeats itself in different forms and in different ways. If you'll study the Word of God, you'll find out that the devil hadn't come in up with anything new. It's still the same, just wrapped in a different package. Just wrapped up differently. It seemed that by the third century, Tertullian had given birth to what they call the Trinitarian doctrine, but Paul actually talked about it in Corinthians. Pentecost seemed to take a back seat. But let me tell you something. The flames of Pentecost have burned in every century. Every century had somebody that kept Pentecost alive. They may have been few in number and they lacked in popularity, but they were there. Hidden, yes. Obscured, yes. Persecuted, yes. Mocked, ridiculed, yes. Extinct, never. Remember, at 46, going into the first grade, I am the Pentecostal preacher's kid. Nobody wanted anything to do with the Pentecostal preacher's kid. You were ridiculed. You were persecuted. In fact, they asked you who you were, and you'd tell them your name, and they say, what your daddy did? So he's a preacher. You didn't let anybody know. They wouldn't sit with you at lunch. The other denominations, deacons, kids, would point at you and laugh, call you names, didn't want to play with you. That's why so many Pentecostal preacher's kids of that era didn't want anything to do with God. Friend, I lived it. It wasn't no fun. It was horrible. Hello? I simply throw that in. I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. 
I don't feel sorry for myself. But I wanted you to understand, even in the 40s in this country, it was not popular to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's my sister. She's sitting over there. She's telling you the same thing. There's Charles Cowan sitting there. He was raised as a Pentecostal preacher's kid. Am I telling the truth, Brother Charles? Wave your hand at me. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. You'd be sitting there by yourself eating, and they throw a rotten apple at you. What I'm trying to get you to realize is that Pentecost has always been here, but it has not always been popular. But friend, the truth marches on. You can't stamp out the truth. You can't stop the truth. It may be ridiculed. It may have all kinds of persecutions and there may be all kinds of things that happen, but I'm gonna tell you what, the truth will win out in the end. And time marched on. The Waldenses and the Moravians and different ones that kept it alive. Not the whole group, but parts of them. And by the 1800s, the flame of Pentecost had become little more than a burning ember. The traces of this experience were few and far between, and there were only a few remnants of John Wesley's evangelism efforts. They were a few little holiness movements around that still talked about the Holy Ghost, but they didn't put any emphasis on it. It wasn't that important to them. It was more important to begin to talk about whether you're baptized in Jesus' name or the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Those arguments were very strong in the late 1890s and the beginning of the 1900s. On October the 15th, 1900, Charles Power opened a Bible school right up here in Topeka, Kansas. The first semester was dedicated to the study of biblical formula of salvation, repentance, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. At the end of that semester, because they didn't know for sure, they concluded that according to the book of Acts, biblical evidence to receiving the Holy Spirit would be that somebody would speak in another language as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they began prayer meetings. And on January the 1st, 1901, Agnes Osmond, a student at the Bible school, asked Pyram to lay hands on her. And she received the Holy Spirit and, went and began to speak with tongues. On January the 3rd, Pyram, his wife, and 12 other students also received the evidence of speaking in tongues, being filled with the Spirit. A convert... They had, a, they had a revival meeting there in Kansas and Missouri. And a convert of that revival was Howard Goss. 
who became one of the founders of the Assembly of God and later became the first general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. He was an atheist when he visited Pyram's meeting, he testifies. This was my first contact with Christianity of any, any sort, and I owe my conversion to Christianity to hearing people speak in other tongues. Why do we want to take speaking in tongues out of the church when that is what caused an atheist to become a Christian? You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. Call now to get this month's special offer, a Heart of Faith package. The book, Listen to Your Heart by Ken Hagan, and the single CD, The God Kind of Faith by Kenneth E. Hagan. These are being offered for a price of $15.95. Don't delay. Call today. Call 1-888-FAITH-99. That's 1-888-FAITH-99. 99. Or if you prefer, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries. Our address is P.O. Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150. Don't forget, for faster service, order online at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G. Now, let's join Ken and Lynette Hagen. And uh, remember all of our Living Faith Crusades, you can go right there onto rhema.org and find, get all the information about all of what's going on here at the ministry, Rockets Over Rhema, all that kind of stuff. Some of you I know are getting those those Roku deals now. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are getting them. And we have a channel on there. And there's something playing on there all the time on the Roku channel. So you can go there. Uh, we do have a magazine called The Word of Faith. That's right. Uh, you can go online and see it, or you can ask for a hard copy. Oh, everything is right there. Tomorrow, more from Ken Hagen on Meant to Stir the World. That's tomorrow on Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagen.